This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. This is a carryover from the conversation we started yesterday. And it is a conversation that we will probably have again and again as we uh, see what exactly is going to happen in our political scene here in Alberta. Jason Kenney, of course, elected on the weekend as the new leader of the Progressive Conservative Association of Alberta. And yesterday he immediately met with Wild Rose leader Brian Jean to say, okay, what do we have to do here to start to unite the right? So, and I know Rob and Danielle, they've talked about different aspects of this as well. Interesting to listen to Danielle earlier today talking about kind of the the legal framework and how we've got Andy Crooks with a number of other lawyers Never really liked that name, Crooks, for a lawyer. But anyway, uh, you know, saying that it would be as easy as just uh, making you a corporation or a society and you merge. So there's that conversation. I want to talk about one that always comes up, and it came up yesterday when I was hearing from you about the fact that a lot of people in either party, the PCs or the Wild Rose, they'll often say, you know, there really isn't that much that's different between the two of us. There's there's more commonality, more similarities than there are differences. And so I think people who are really supporting a united party and thinking this is going to be easy peasy, that's what they're saying. But then I hear from other people who say, no, I'm in the wild rose for a reason. Or I was in the progressive conservatives for a reason. And, and that's why I want to delve into this whole idea of the, the differences and the similarities between the two parties. John Sorosky, assistant professor of political science at McEwen University, joining us today. Hello, John. Hi, Angela. Were you surprised by Jason Kenney's victory on the weekend? No, like everybody else, I think that, that it was anticipated. It was hard to imagine any alternative outcome at that point, I think. And as I've said, you know, that was the, almost in hindsight, that was the easy part. I think the bigger challenge is now how Jason and Brian and whoever runs under this new party, how we manage to form a new party. But just looking at the two parties as they sit right now, what are some things that stand out for you when it comes to, well, let's go with similarities? Well, you know, one of the main things that we can think about is the divide between, you know, fiscal conservatism and social conservatism, which, you know, historically can be found together, but sometimes are found apart. So I think the argument or idea is that the Wild Rose embody both of those trains. So they argue for smaller government, the idea of balancing the budget, at least in theory. Um, and they've traditionally or historically, and I guess their relatively short history, been, you know, associated with social traditionalism. So, you know, amongst their party, there have been those who've been opposed to LGBTQ rights. You know, there's been some hostility to the Alberta Human Rights Commission. Um, you know, they've, they've had sort of significant advocacy of charter schools. So both of those sort of two strands are married pretty well in the Wild Rose. The conservatives, progressive conservatives here in Alberta sort of traditionally have had a kind of a mix of members. So they've had some people who've sort of embraced both of those. But they've also had a somewhat a socially more progressive element, you know, who have, have been more amenable to, you know, recognizing new developments and rights and things like that and probably have been, you know, in that strain less uh, aggressive about the idea of, you know, things like cutting government, balancing the budget and so on. So I, I guess the, the main difference would be that there's probably more ideological coherence and purity in the Wild Rose, whereas within the Conservatives, historically at least, there's been you know a mix of those two sides. And John, even when we talk about the social conservative policies within the Wild Rose, you know, I've I've gone online, I've I've got the uh, member uh, Wild Rose member approved policies. 
and maybe maybe that's the big difference. On paper, the Wild Rose Party is one thing, but there is the the view on the outside looking into the party that they are still very socially conservative because I think the closest thing I came, and this was, again, on the member-approved policies, was under uh, social equality. Uh, Wild Rose members believe the government of Alberta should recognize that all Albertans have equal rights, privileges, and responsibilities. But, I mean, I've kind of gone through that whole thing on their website, uh, and I haven't seen anything specific to say that we are opposed to LGBTQT uh, policies or schools that have to um, have the same bathroom, those ideas. So is that the difference, is that we don't really see it in the policies? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, there was obviously a real move within the the elites of the party to kind of purge the overt expression of a lot of those ideas following the the election, which uh, Danielle Smith was in, in power in the party. So yeah, you, if you take a look at the formal policy, you may see that. But I mean, still, when you take a look at sort of the the kind of the grassroots conversation within the party, there seems to be some considerable affinity for some of those ideas. You know, whether that's currently the official uh, you know position of the party, you know, depends. And the other thing that's interesting too, I mean, in a sense. Brian Jean has, I think, been, been, you know, fairly moderate and modest in those things, and he hasn't advanced them. But, you know, interestingly, if Jason Kenney ultimately runs a, ends up running the whole show of the two parties unite, you know, some of his own values are, you know, actually quite consistent with, you know, some of those things that people worried about in the old days of the Wild Rose. You know, as you know, Kenney was associated with the idea of, uh, you know, his government and the barbaric practices, cultural hotline, and, and that sort of thing. So, oddly enough, the current leader of the PCs, who I've suggested have this moderate streak, you know, in some ways is more socially traditional in some of those views than Brian Jean of the Wild Rose. The other issue, though, of course, is, is what is the grassroots like? And I think, as I say, we do tend to see that, that kind of divide, at least at the grassroots level. Here's uh, some of the other differences I see. Uh, the Wild Rose, very strong in the rural communities, hasn't really been as strong in the urban communities, whereas the progressive conservatives stronger in the urban. So I, I'm not sure if that's a, a, a strike against them or in uniting, maybe you'll be able to bring the urban and the rural together. Yeah, well, there's two two different issues there. So, yeah, I think in part the, the strength of the, the PCs. So even in a disastrous last election, they certainly hung on to, you know, a lot of the suburban ridings in Calgary. In part, though, I mean, does that reflect the fact that, that the conservatives uh, historically here in Alberta were able to sort of straddle that divide around issues of, you know, social and fiscal conservatism? Uh, in a sense, they are more appealing, you know, in terms of that mix for urban voters than, than the, the Wild Rose. But, I mean, the other side of that question then, too, is, I mean, if they come together, will they be able to, to sort of, uh, you know, attract that kind of support. I mean, I think if we're thinking strategically, and I think uh, all the members of, of the, or many of the members, probably the majority of the members of both parties see this, uh, they are very likely to do much, much better in this coming election than the, the two parties did separately in the other election. You know, whatever the, the I don't know, the, the difficulties of the mix, I, I, I think that their theoretical idea that they're going to do better, uh, it makes a lot of sense to most people, I think. Yeah, I still worry that of the progressive conservatives, and we saw it on the weekend, there there are members within the progressive conservative, and maybe it's small because obviously Jason Kenney won such a, a large majority, 75%, but still there is the uh, an element within that membership of the progressive conservatives who are saying, there's no way I would go over to the Wild Rose, I'm going to go somewhere else. So I once again, I, I worry that we're just seeing more splintering of, uh, well, obviously the progressive side. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and that's actually that's sort of the inherent dynamic here. I mean, in part, that splinter arose as it did in the National Conservative Party because of the desire for those who left the party or, you know, formed a new party for, you know, much greater ideological purity. And so the problem with that is then you turn off people who don't want that much ideological purity. So, you know, sometimes it turns out to your advantage and sometimes it doesn't. But, I mean, there, one of the interesting questions you raise is, you know, what's going to happen with that progressive element of the progressive conservatives? As you noted, 75-25, that's, that's a pretty powerful vote for, you know, Kenny's idea of uniting the parties, but mm-hmm. the, the, that 25 is, is not an insignificant number. And, you know, the question is, where do they go? And at the moment, it seems that they're going to have a difficult time finding a home. I would guess most of those individuals probably wouldn't be too enthusiastic about supporting the New Democrats for a whole variety of reasons, you know, so, so where, where can they go and park their vote or, or use their vote if, if we sort of have a united uh, right-of-right party in, in the new Wild Rose Conservative um, collectivity if they ever actually get together. Uh, John, hold on here. I just want to take a break. Uh, more questions for John Sorosky and uh, continue to send your text 403-974-8255. I, I'm going to open up the phone lines at 3.30 for sure just because we had such response yesterday. I think we can I think we can have this conversation two days in a row and then maybe take a break from that. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today on News Talk 770. John Sorosky is my guest this half hour, and we are talking about the similarities and the differences between the Wild Rose and the Progressive Conservatives, because if they are to unite, even if it's a whole new party, there are still going to be holdovers from the Progressive Conservatives. There's going to be Wild Rose policies that members will say we want to have part of this new party. So are the differences that big? Uh, are there more similarities so that you can make this unification even that much quicker? And John, when we we're looking at um, even the fiscal responsibility, fiscal conservatives, I think, as you said, both the PCs and the Wild Rose would agree on that. However, when the progressive conservatives were in power, it appeared that they were probably a little looser as far as where money was going when we look at education and health than what we see with the Wild Rose. Do you think that is something that could be overcome the differences there well that's a difficult question because there's this consistent disconnect between rhetoric and reality in a lot of the the uh, right of center conversation about these issues so the stephen harper regime for example was big on these issues and, and essentially ran a a huge budget deficit or a large budget deficit for you know seven out of the nine years it was in power uh we consi- consistently in alberta with the exception of the klein era where there was good consistency again had this talk about fiscal conservatism and then either ran very large mm-hmm. deficits or did nothing to save up for the downtimes that we're now experiencing. So I don't know. I consistently have skepticism about whether any party on the right is actually going to do those things because it's always easy to say we're going to cut taxes or keep taxes low. We're going to dramatically slash government spending. But, you know, when it's people's grandmothers being kicked out of nursing homes because you're not spending that money, that's pretty difficult to follow through on. So it's it's difficult to anticipate what either party separately or together would do on that. But I'm pretty skeptical about that. And so I guess what I'm saying to you is I would expect that, that any version of the party is likely to probably be consistent with those previous practices, I mean, unless we see somebody resurrect the the approaches that, that Ralph Klein took in his time. So you think a different tune when you're in opposition than when you're in government? Yeah, it's obviously easier to say that you're going to magically balance budgets when you're in the opposition, and then it, it obviously is a lot more difficult when you're in power. 
I know we keep talking about, well, between Brian Jean and Jason Kenney, but we know that if this comes to a leadership in the fall, I, I'm, I'm saying that there's going to be other people who are going to run. So that, that's the other thing. Who knows who's going to lead this party? But I do wonder if Jason Kenney is going to almost experience the same attack from the left that Danielle Smith as the leader of the Wild Rose when the Wild Rose was looking like they were going to win in the provincial election and suddenly you know they bring out all the the social issues whether it be the lake of fire the the gay comments so I'm wondering if Jason Kenney that is going to be almost his the ghost of his past that will make it difficult for him to get past and become a leader. Yeah, I think that's certainly possible. But I mean, I guess there's a couple of other ways of looking at it. I mean, in part, the, the two parties united are likely to be able to, you know, attract substantial amount of support. I mean, I think what did they win together in the the last election? Over 50 percent between the two of them. So mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that those kinds of issues are less significant. Uh, in addition, I, again, it's too early to say with certainty, but it, it certainly looks like the New Democrats are in very difficult circumstances. So it, it, they may not be an appealing alternative, you know, to many Alberta voters just because of these experiences whether they're responsible or not, but but so there's may not be any place for them to go. And I do have to say, now this is my own kind of uh, opinion, and it's it's up for debate. I, I th- do think Jason Kenney has the political and rhetorical skills to, um, you know, to protect himself from those kinds of attacks, even if there's some truth to them. I I, I don't anticipate that he's going to be seriously damaged. So I mean, it may be that that'll be a, an approach people take, but I don't know. From my reading of Kenney, from you know, he's been around for a while now. He, he's got pretty good skills to to defend him himself in those circumstances well and look at his success i mean he's got a great track record as far as a successful politician so uh i'm i i would agree with you that he probably will be able to defend himself now back to the policies and another thing that kind of stood out for me was um the wild rose they are definitely uh, in favor of mla recall referendums um the uh, conscience rights some of those things i saw within their policies that i thought all right is that something that would be an easy sell for um a member of the progressive conservatives who have to come and join and be part of one one big party yeah, well, again, if you're thinking about the 25 percent who didn't vote for Kenny, yeah. then, then I mean, there there may be some opposition. But I don't know. I don't think that that opposition to that usually sort of mobilizes a lot of support. So even if people within the party are, for strategic reasons, unenthusiastic about it, it's hard to sort of mobilize people around the idea that no, we don't want to recall M- right. MLAs. You know that sort of thing. So I mean, there may be may be some differences at the lower levels on uh, of party members about those issues. But I don't think that's likely to. to to be able to mobilize enough support to, to really substantially make a difference. And the other thing you have to know, too, is, I mean, it's quite easy for parties to run on that set of goods as well and then not necessarily follow through on them. So, you know, it, it's um, a very popular set of ideas. And, and so either version, you know, the Wild Rose or the Conservatives or the Collective Party, you know, it could quite potentially endorse that without much cost or difficulty to itself in the lead-up to an election. And, you know, whether people are enthusiastic about following through, you know, like just and Trudeau's promises on electoral reform may be a different issue. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, in wrapping up then, John, I, I'm seeing that there are, are, there are more similarities. It doesn't sound like the, the differences are insurmountable. Yeah, and I think one of the major similarities that I would say at this point is that, that both parties are strongly united, with the exception of maybe that small 25 percent, you know, in the desire to, to oust the new Democrats, and that probably is going to be able to help them overcome mm. even significant political you know, differences, even if they were there. So I think they, yeah. they certainly have similarity in that view.
You know what? And, and I know I've had lots of listeners say, whatever it takes, as long as we get rid of the NDP, and maybe that would be the provincial election where people say, I don't really care about the, the finer details. I just want to have a party that's bigger and stronger and will be able to take down the NDP. Yeah, we're two years out from it, but that certainly looks like where it would be going to me anyway. Two years out unless, of course, they don't follow the four-year election window. <laughs> I did, but I mean, usually you go early when you have an advantage. Yeah, have a <laughs> no, well, that's true, too. John, thanks so much for your take on this. Great, thanks a lot. All right, John Swarovski, he is an assistant professor of political science at uh, Grant McEwen, McEwen University, rather. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.